I forgot to get the chair that doesn't squeak. <laughs> well, that's a way to intro. It's like, what does he mean by the chair that doesn't Don't worry about it, people. <laughs> Welcome to Under the Bridge, everybody. Welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And it's a light week this week. I figured we could use the break. Merry Christmas to both of us. It's a lightweight light week. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> it wasn't the best, I'll tell you that. Hmm. We got a little bit of an update on good old Coyote versus Acme. Oh boy. Yeah, apparently, aside from Netflix making a bid, Paramount's also made a bid, and Apple and Amazon have seen it as well. Okay. Paramount, I'm leaning towards a little bit, just because that would hopefully mean theatrical release. Yeah, they would probably have the best chance of actually putting it out in theaters more than any of the other companies, because Amazon and Apple would obviously... would. Well, I don't know. Apple would might, but Amazon would absolutely just put it on their services. Yeah. I, I, I'd i see Apple giving it a release. Mm. They're decently good about that when they think there's potential. Right. I mean, they're doing this either way, though. Getting to a streaming service is at least better than Warner Brothers. Yeah, that's just true. By default, that's true. It's a very low bar, it has to be said. <laughs> but, uh, get this. Apparently, Warner Brothers wants to cover the $70 million they already spent on it, and then some. <laughs> Which is like, okay, I understand where that makes sense from a business perspective, but from a logical perspective, we all know if you write it off, you're going to get, like, 20 mil. Yeah. You should count yourself lucky to get 40 mil and not get hit with an antitrust lawsuit or something. Yeah, for real. What the actual heck? <sighs> Good old Zazzle Dazzle. And Oh god, that's a horrible nickname. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. He hasn't earned anything better. That's fair. Certainly not for multiple millions of dollars a year. Mm. <laughs> but uh, then it gets interesting because, and this is this is obviously, you know, just based on one thing that was told to the deadline writer who uh, put the article together about the bidding war going on. Mm -hmm. But apparently, one filmmaker told them recently, We have a project over at Warner's in development. We're so not pursuing active development until the studio is sold. God knows <laughs> what will happen to projects in development. Mm. I Which, mean, true. I don't, we don't know for sure it's getting sold, a lot of Zaslov's actions do line up with a guy trying to strip the studio down for parts so he can sell it off easier to make it more appealing despite the mountain of debt it's still got and will probably yeah. continue to accrue. Yeah, not helped by this fake McGee. <laughs> I might have to bleep that. That's fair. <laughs> oh well, worth it. I might just leave it in, I don't know. <laughs> That's on you. We're, well, it happened within four minutes, so you might have to bleep it. <laughs> It might be advisable to bleep it. Doesn't mean I have to do anything. Uh, fair. Yeah. So that's a little bit of news. I hope we get to see this movie, because the idea of Wiley Coyote suing Acme over the, their products not working for him is just delightful <laughs> on the face of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, the premise alone is one where it's like, oh, I, I really hope I get to see this. It sounds totally stupid, and that's why I'm interested in it. <laughs> and then when you added that John Cena's in it, it's, come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got a little bit of a Disney update. Oh boy. So, you know how Pixar's been having a really hard time lately, and part of the problem is that Disney sent three movies in a row straight to streaming? 
I was going to make the joke of, of like, by lately, do you mean, like, for roughly the last decade? <laughs> Not the last decade. Mm. They only got hit really hard starting in 2020 when Disney probably wisely moved Soul to Disney Plus because, you know, it was still a pandemic going on. And then they right. did it again for Turning Red, which made much less sense. And no, no, they did it for Luca, which made much less sense. And then they did it later for Turning Red, which made no sense at all. What's Turning Red? The Red Panda one. The one that I got ten minutes through and then stopped because the mom is awful. Oh, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I didn't even know that movie existed. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. Check it out, maybe, because maybe you'll get better through it than I could. Fair. I got ten minutes in and went, I don't want a reconciliation in this movie, which I know is going to happen. I want this girl to emancipate herself. <laughs> uh, I mean, I still haven't finished Soul, so one day one of these will happen. Really? <laughs> I thought yeah, for sure no. we finished it. No, we didn't finish it, did we? We d- No, we did not finish it. I said I was going to wa- finish it on my own because it's a movie that interests me, and I never got around to it. <laughs> well, good news, we might actually be able to go see it. Well, we, we, we could, and schedule mm. permitting, we might be able to go see it in theaters because all three of those movies are getting special engagement theatrical runs at the start of 2024. Why does the term special engagement sound icky in this context? <laughs> Probably because it's because Disney doesn't have any, literally anything in the first half of the year because the strikes force them to push everything else back. Oh, uh, hmm. <laughs> Oof, well, I, I don't think they were like a major, I mean, they weren't a major cost for the strikes were probably involved. At this point, Disney's like, I since I've made a mistake. I'm pretty sure they were one of the major stallers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, Disney's now looking at how they have nothing for the first half of the year, and they're like, I sense I've made a mistake. <laughs> Even worse, mm-hmm. I haven't gone too deep into it because I'm depressed enough as it is, but apparently the deal that was reached with sag after and actually agreed upon, mm-hmm. that AI clause is apparently riddled with loopholes. Of course it is. So <laughs> that might not have been the stirring victory I was hoping for. Like, you expect these corporations to not find ways to screw actual people out of money? (laughs) I would have thought they might when, you know, it was actively stopping them from making money, but... Yeah, no, they're trying to future-proof that shit, bro. (laughs) Anyway, Soul is opening on January 12th, Turning Mm. Red on February 9th, and then Luca on March 22nd. Okay, so literally one movie every month. Yeah. Okay. However, this probably, I don't think, is gonna go the way Disney wants it to. And per the article announcing this, all three titles are going to stay on Disney Plus while they're re-released in theaters. Then what's the point of going to see them in theaters? <laughs> right? Because you the whole reason you're in this situation is because the theater-going experience is too expensive for families to think that it's worth it when it's going to go to streaming in a couple of months anyway. So, how are you going to entice families, aka the main audience for these movies, to go see these movies... If it's still on Disney Plus! Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure Disney themselves have said that too. And I feel really icky arguing for that because, I mean, it is gross to be paying for a streaming service and not actually be able to watch whatever you want whenever you want it, but from a business perspective, that's just baffling. It's just money wasted. Yeah, you know how much money you're not going to get because all that's going to happen is they're going to see the movies in theaters and they're going to go, we should watch that with the kids again, and then they'll do it on Disney Plus. Yeah, and that's the best case scenario. 
hoping you don't have people who are smart enough just to be like, oh, cool, it's releasing in theaters. Well, we have Disney Plus, so we'll just watch it at home anyway. Oh, okay. Soul's got some competition. At least, it all, between the two of us, it's got competition because okay. it comes out the same weekend as Mean Girls and The Beekeeper. Oh, that's not a hard decision. <laughs> or at the very least, it's not a hard decision of which of the three gets eliminated, and Soul is very much the winner there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Beekeeper and Mean Girls, especially since they're, like, actually new movies. I mean, one's Jason Statham, which I know you're you're very fond of, and yes. the other is Mean Girls, which is now not necessarily <laughs> one of my favorite movies, but my god, what a masterpiece that was now that I've finally seen it. I mean, I, with us watching, it's the first time I had watched it in years, and I'm just like, man, I kind of want to see the... I do actually want to see the new Mean Girls movie because I'm very curious to see what they did with Kevin G because I forgot how much <laughs> of a freaking baller he is. <laughs> uh. And then Turning Red is coming out the same weekend as Lisa Frankenstein, which is much more my jam. Yeah, same. <laughs> and it would have been a tough choice if I hadn't already tried to watch Turning Red and hated the mom so much. Mm. Because, ugh. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> Luca apparently is facing off against Arthur the King, which I don't care. So I might yeah. actually go see Luca in theaters. Fair. Unless something else comes out that same weekend that we don't know about yet, which could still happen. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's four months away anyway. Release calendars are ever-shifting. Oh, yes indeed. But I certainly don't feel like watching this Mark Wahlberg meets a dog on a marathon movie. Yeah, you know, shoot, I... <laughs> I got a I I actually got the trailer for that in front of the boy and the heron. Same. And, and it's one of those things where it's like I feel like this movie is going to be either genuinely very interesting or one of the most boring movies ever with zero in between. I lean towards the second. Yeah. So that's a bold strategy. Let's see how it plays out. Right. I also got some DC casting news. Oh boy. Which is that Sean Gunn is going to be playing Maxwell Lord. In the DC Universe. Remind me which one Maxwell Lord is? He was Pedro Pascal in Wonder Woman 84. Uh, wait, Pedro Pascal was in Wonder Woman 84? <laughs> He's the guy with the wishing rock. Oh. Life is oh. good, but it could be better. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> I did- wow. <laughs> Pedro Pascal is better looking and significantly more recognizable with facial hair, it has to be said. <laughs> yep, yep. I can't believe that. that. No, he looks, I, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but he looks white as fuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably intentional. <laughs> I know, but it's still like a thing of like, wait, I don't remember Pedro Pascal being an, oh, okay. But yeah, no, that's fun. Um, Sean Gunn being in it as, as Maxwell Lord, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it sounds like they're not going for, because Maxwell Lord probably gained the most notoriety as becoming a supervillain with psychic mind control powers, and then Wonder Woman snapped his neck, and... <laughs> Oof. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the start of public perception that Wonder Woman is the one who's most likely to kill her enemies out of the DC Trinity, which is not necessarily correct. Hmm. But, yeah, he, he's most notable as, uh, a, as a pretty wretched uh, supervillain sort. But originally, he was kind of more of a sleazy used car salesman type, not actually a used car salesman, but, like, he was the guy, I think, either funding or running the Justice League International. 
Okay. That was a really goofy Justice League team. It was the one that had Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Guy Gardner, which, come to think of it, we got Booster Gold, we know Blue Beetle's coming back, we know Guy Gardner's been cast, and now we got Matt- mm. We're getting Justice League International, I think. Oh, boy. Oh, this is gonna be funny. It sounds like it's funny, but is it gonna be good? <laughs> uh, it depends on who's directing. That's fair. And who's writing. <laughs> and who else is in it? If we get Martian Manhunter, that'd be cool. Right. But I think the most interesting thing is, A, they're bringing back Maxwell Lord, despite him just having shown up, like, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And that it seems like it's pointing more towards Justice League International, which also makes sense. You probably want to let the main Justice League team lie for a bit longer. Yeah, no, that's fair. But you still want to have a team-up movie, and you still want to have that Justice League prestige, and if you go Justice League Dark, everybody's... It, it's gonna be dour, and it's gonna be kind of a bummer. Right. And a little more gothic nightmare style kind of thing, so I get it. I get it. Eh, I, I mean, I'd be interested in that aspect, at least. I would be, too. Just maybe later down the line. Right. We at least know Swamp Thing's coming. He's, I think, mm. I don't remember if he's usually a member, but he's usually at least, like, kind of affiliated with them because he's a magic user and also kind of a horrifying creature of the raw elemental fury and the such. Oh, that's neat. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know Constantine, Zatanna, Deadman are generally associated with it. I think mm. one of the more recent iterations was actually specifically magic-oriented, and the members were, like, Wonder Woman, Detective Chimp, <laughs> Man-Bat was in it. Okay. God, that was... I, I, I've read part of that. That was fun. <laughs> Fair. So I can see why they'd go for International over that, because it's got a very clear, distinct run as, this is the funnier league with some of the wackier characters. Yeah, no, it's probably going to be more appealing to a general audience as well in that aspect. Oh, and Batman's on it, so... Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> His Batman's the, is like the straight man of the group. Kinda. Mm. He also knocked Guy Gardner out with one punch. <laughs> Alrighty. Just laid him out. It's great. Batman's gonna knock you out. Martha said knock you out? Martha said knock you out. <laughs> Why did you say that name? Because she said to knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> Martha said knock you out. Why did you say that name?! <laughs> it's like, alright, uh, can we just do the bit? Bruce, enough of the PTSD. <laughs> I love it. Mm. Now, I think Sean Gunn could run a funnier, heart is in the right place, but also he's out to make money incarnation of Maxwell Lord. Oh, yeah. Be an interesting counterpart with Lex Luthor, come to think of it. Oh, yeah, very much so. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I'm getting excited. I mean, I was already <laughs> excited. Now I'm more excited. Hell yeah. As it goes. <laughs> we had the Game Awards on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, we 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 did. God Almighty. <laughs> yeah, there is a stream at Twitch TV Unlimited Video Games. You can check that out if you want. Uh, I was doing a mostly unsuccessful shiny hunt through most of the ceremony. Yeah, as I say, it's, it was like him shiny hunting, our friend Anthony needing a change of pants after Sega. And me just kind of sitting there being like, I, 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 there's, I don't care. <laughs> All of us needing a change of pants after Monster Hunter. Yeah. Oh, that was so good, Not though. Not even for the game, <laughs> just for him calling it. Yeah, and completely unintentionally calling when it, the, too. Although when the Capcom logo pops up, Capcom presents. Ah! <laughs> 
<laughs> that was so good. It's like, it's like, it looks like a Monster Hunter, but can't say for sure until, like, the Capcom level boss. So, literally, like, the second after that, Capcom presents. It's like and then it turns out it's Monster Hunter Wilds. Wilds. It's like, which most beautiful comedic timing I've ever seen. <laughs> but yeah, we had the Game Awards. Matan Evan did not show up to crash the party. No, he did not, but he apparently was there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess he was in the audience, which is 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 kind of a thing of like, yeah, I, I guess it's probably good. It's good that he didn't like try and crash anything, but why the fuck was he even allowed back in? <laughs> Who let this man in the door? Yeah, like it's like no, this is guys. This is literally a dude who got behind actual developers and leaders of one of the of one of the most well known, currently well known, like video game studios in the industry. That's just a massive security breach. At the very least, they figured he would have been banned. It's like, nope, because Twitter has him like sitting in the audience. It's just like, all right, that's not as big of a fail, but in my opinion, still a pretty significant one. Yeah. <laughs> so the main things I think relevant to us mm-hmm. are the big Sega trailer. And by big, I mean it wasn't that big, but like it's got big implications. It's got big implications, many of which made, again, our friend Anthony have to feel like he probably has to change his pants. And even though, <laughs> I guess it's not big implications, it's just, it's specifically because we're old. It's, yeah, <laughs> yes, we are. They announced five games with more on the way. I want to say all of them were Dreamcast games originally. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure Golden Axe and Shinobi, at least, are much older than that. Oh, really? I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, yeah, actually, now I think about it, I'm pretty sure Shinobi was a Genesis game. So, specifically, the franchises that they announced they had games in development for were Jet Set Radio. Which, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Shinobi, (laughs) Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, and hey, everybody, it's Crazy Taxi, here we go! Now with Police, I don't remember there being Police in the original Crazy Taxi. Me neither, but I'm still excited. Yeah, yeah, honestly, same. Now give me another Knights game, you cowards! Now give me Sh- Sega GT, you cowards! Oh, buddy! <laughs> Look, a man can dream. <laughs> I think I got a better shot of a new Knights game. Mm, and the last yes. one was on the Wii. <laughs> I think that's, that's fair. Yeah, come to think of it, there's not really. Wait, was Automata leased to Sega? Hold on. No, that's Capcom. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, look, man, a, a, a guy can dream. A car enthusiast can dream, okay? <laughs> when do we get another Space Channel 5? You know what? Actually, yeah. I never played Space Channel 5, but I've always been interested because it looks like a very funky and weird game. Maybe they're like, waiting for the movie. There's a movie? They're working on one. Oh, that's right. Oh, God, who's in that again? Uh, Nobody's cast. It was just a thing they were working on. Oh, right, I completely forgot about that. It's that, and I think Toe Jam and Earl was announced at the same time was as a thing in development. It wasn't like a Sega announced thing, it was in the trades. Oh, fair enough. But yeah, no, these are some real blasts from the past, and uh, Jet Set in particular, happy to see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, jokes aside, when Jet Set was p- shown up, I was just like, okay! Because it's literally one of those things where people have been requesting a new Jet Set game from Sega proper for, like, literally decades. To the point where several other studios have made, like, various spiritual successors and all that. Like Hi-Fi? Very quick, like Hi-Fi, like, especially Hi-Fi Rush. There's one other one that came out recently whose name I keep on blinking on, but it's one that I know is on Xbox and I need to play it at some point. But yeah, that was one where it's just like, 
people have been asking for this for forever, and it always seemed like they were never going to... Oh, Bomb Rush Cyberpunk. Ah. It seemed like it was just never going to happen, and then Sega's like, here you go, here's, like, one of the most well-loved games in our repertoire, with, like, modern graphics and all that, it's just like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, of those, definitely Jet Set Radio, as well as Crazy Taxi were the ones that got my attention. Heck Yeah. I mean, I've never played the original Jet Set Radio, I j- but I do hope that they keep the soundtrack. Please don't get rid of the soundtrack. <laughs> Was the last one on Xbox or something? I believe so. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now, let's switch to the blood-sucking elephant in the room. <laughs> We're getting a video game based on Marvel's Blade! Yeah, which... I'm kind of surprised, because I'm pretty sure I called it before you did. Yeah, I did not, I mean, to be fair, I was busy with my face in a Switch screen, but... <laughs> you got issues. <laughs> I got a shiny sand shroom is what I got. Uh, okay. <laughs> Point is... <laughs> look, I don't... I It started clicking when I saw the fangs, but mm. before then there wasn't much indication that it was going to be Blade. You know what? We're watching the trailer. It's one of those things where, honestly, the first clue should have been the just the giant Marvel logo. I kind of glossed over that as it popped up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but then it's also a thing of, like, when he goes, sees the blood. Like, there's, like, as soon as the dude, like, cuts himself and wipes his blood on his shirt, he um, and holds he goes, the cross. Yeah, believe me, he goes, it's okay, man. I don't bite. And it's like, what are you talking Oh, And I'm like, man... That was so obvious. <laughs> yeah, so what do we think? Is this going to come out before or after the movie? Because <sighs> on the one hand, probably AAA game, so it's probably six years out. On the other hand, Blade's fucking cursed. I mean, I know it was just an announcement trailer, but unironically, I could see it coming out before the movie. Because the movie slates come out in, what, 2025? Yep. I mean, it would be tight. It would also have to be if a significant amount of game development has already happened at this point but i could see it genuinely coming out before the actual movie does <laughs> or it would just take the exploitation of numerous game developers so business as usual carry on yeah don't actually yeah. don't do that please i'm against that, that in case the sarcasm wasn't clear <laughs> <laughs> yeah please don't do that don't be a dick to your humans I mean, it looks cool. It's one of those things where, unfortunately, since it is just an announcement trailer... There's no gameplay or anything. There's no gameplay, so all we can really go off of is the vibe. Whatever the French rap song is that's in it is playing, I do actually need that song. Like, I need to know what that song is so I can add it to my one at least one of my Spotify playlists. Why am I not surprised? Yeah, look, man, I am I'm a hip-hop nerd. Fair. I make zero, zero apologies for it. <laughs> So yeah, I think that was the main thing from the Game Awards. I mean, there was the fact that you got your wish, Armored Core 6 won Best Action Game. The, the small awards that I re- was interested in that I paid a lot of attention to was Armored Core 6 winning Best Action Game, Forza Motorsport, even with all of its issues, winning Most Accessible Game, which I do v- wholeheartedly agree with. The game literally has tools in it so that if you're blind, you can race. That is impressive. Yeah, like, and it's genuinely amazing. And some of the tools are actually useful for people who aren't blind but want to improve their racing. Genuinely a lot of cool things um, in that regard. So 
Accessibility Award was 100% deserved. Controversial as it may be, so was its award for, like, best racing and sports game this year. And that is primarily just because, if I'm being completely honest, this year, when it comes to racing games, has been horrifically mediocre. How are you going to disrespect Hot Wheels like that? I'm kidding, I don't have an opinion. <laughs> and yes, that does include Forza. Forza has prob. Forza has a lot of fucking problems. And it's one of those things where it's like, the way I see it, them winning Racing Game of the Year doesn't say anything really about how good Forza is, but it says much more about just how shitty this year has been for the racing genre. What was this newest one called? Oh, it's just called Forza Motorsport. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's literally like a soft reboot of the Motorsports ah, uh, series. I see, it only released on Xbox, so that probably explains it, because they may have 99 problems, but a Switch ain't one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I'm planning on getting a Switch, but I will say, I there's plenty of games that aren't racing games that I want to play on it, but it is kind of frustrating that, at least as far as I can tell, the only worthwhile game racing game on the Switch is Mario Kart. There's Team Sonic Racing. I don't care enough about Sonic to be interested in it. You should. <laughs> <laughs> that might be correct. <laughs> Oh, and Hi-Fi Rush won Best Audio Design. Oh yeah, that too. I was very... I would have... No, I genuinely would have been pissed if it did it. It's like, okay, look, I'm sure all these other games have genuinely good, like, sound design and all that. Hi-Fi Rush, as far as I could tell, was the only game on that list where the sound design is literally integral to the gameplay. You have to pay attention to the sound design and how the music and the sounds and all that interact with the world, because that actually does affect how well you can do in the game. The game basically is, not to belittle it or be reductive towards it, but the game is basically a giant how good are you at keeping pace with a metronome experience. And boy howdy, it's really hard to do that sometimes where you're getting attacked at every single a angle. I imagine so. <laughs> yeah, so those were all the awards I genuinely cared about. And, you know, otherwise the Game Awards was your usual thing of, like, kind of Honestly, a lot of meh game announcements, or at least nothing compared to last year, didn't get anything for me that hit me like Armored Core 6 being announced. Mm. There's Dragon Ball Sparking Hero, where I can't wait to get 10 new forms of Goku and 5 more forms of Vegeta. Genuinely, the only reason I'm even interested in that game, although considering it's um, we're getting the Japanese name for it, translates to English, I don't think it'll have a big effect. But I'm just curious to see what it does to the price of Tenkaichi 3. Mm. working in a video game store and all that and having that game being a regular talking point it's one of those things where it's like so what's gonna happen now <laughs> okay you know what i got one other thing i want to point out which is the absolute audacity of you bring in anthony mackie and simu liu and you let them have basically as much time as they want mm -hmm. to barely talk about games and then you bring up ag Onuma to what once tears of the kingdom got best action adventure game Mm -hmm. And he got hit with the please wrap it up sign, despite the fact that his whole conversation has oh, to be wait. translated. Wait, that was actually real? I think so. Oh, I saw that, like, on one of my feeds, and I thought that was just an edited picture. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was real. Damn. That's fucked. <laughs> That's really fucked. <laughs> Let's go to super brief trailer time. I'm not even going to bother with the jingle. Yeah, no. <laughs> there is one trailer which you found. Yes. 
It is for a combination, like, British-Italian movie called Road to... I think it's what? Race for Glory. Race for Glory. Wow, wow if you can't up. remember what it's called, we're going <laughs> Yeah, Race for Glory. Lancia versus Audi. Audi versus Lancia. Audi versus... It, it, it's the same thing. Where, basically, it's a historical drama detailing the 1983 World Rally Championship season, in which, for a little bit of context... This was during the Group B era of rallying. This was also the f- basically the introduction of four-wheel drive in this sport. People talk about four-wheel drive when it comes to trucks and all that and off-roading and whatnot. While rally is mostly an off-road sport, the introduction of four-wheel drive into the sport is relatively recent. So when Audi showed up with it, they just kicked everyone's asses with it. L- uh, Lancia, or Lancia, depending on which part of the world you're coming from were noteworthy in, despite the obvious advantage of four-wheel drive, they still kept using this very lightweight two-wheel drive sports car, which was actually still shockingly effective against the Audis. Now, people are going, oh, he's a, it's a racing movie, of course um, you're interested in it. It's like, and while that is true, I am much more interested in this movie, I figured it's worth talking about because of the cast. <laughs> yeah, it is nutty how, despite all that, it feels like the main reason both of us are interested is because Daniel Brawl and Ricardo Scamarchio are the leads in this. Yes. So we got Zemo, and we got Santino from John Wick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, when those two popped, I was just like, wait, really? I don't know how big time they are in the grand scheme of Hollywood, but it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like these guys are, t- are both two major actors who are... I am very shocked to see them in this niche-as-fuck movie. Well, he, uh, like, Scamarcio is apparently producing this one. Is he now? Or at least he's a co-producer. Okay. So that part huh. I get. You know what, that's fair. Oh, I wonder if, and maybe he's a secret car nerd. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome, I'd be cool with that. He's also Poirot's bodyguard in A Haunting in Venice. Yeah, he, and I believe he was an Oppenheimer too, right? Or am I getting him mixed with someone else? You might be getting it mixed up with somebody else. Okay. Yeah, you know what you're correct, Are you mixing him up with Crumholtz? Probably. A.K.A. Bernard from the Santa Claus? Yes, David Crumholtz. Yeah, I'm getting him mixed up with David Crumholtz. <laughs> How dare you besmirch Bernard from the Santa Claus like that? <laughs> How dare. My bad. <laughs> Anyways, this just looks like yet another, uh... Two guys with something to prove for their respective companies racing movie, which I can't believe I get to say another one of those. Yeah, because, I mean, the main one was Ford versus Ferrari, which just, I don't know, of course I haven't seen the movie, but based on the impression I got from the trailer, it's, I'm gonna go see it, but it's no Ford versus Ferrari. It kind of feels like a much more, I don't want to say budget movie, but not the same level of production quality, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely not star power, either. Yeah. No offense well, to Brawl or Scamarchio, but... Yeah, no, well, honestly, it's one of those weird things where I know they don't have high star power, but I also know that they're two very good actors, so that's the reason why I'm interested in it. <laughs> oh, for me, Ferrari was James Mangold directed, too. Oh, was it? Oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> Go on? <laughs> He's very good at what he does. Oh, okay. He's a good director. Just because I hate Logan doesn't mean I think he's a shit director. 
I forgot he did Logan. <laughs> yeah, you, you knew James Mangold couldn't come up without me pointing out I hate Logan. It's like Taika Waititi and I hate Ragnarok, all right? It's just kind Fair. of built in. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, he also did Dial of Destiny too. Alright, fair enough. <laughs> oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Let's go to box office. Indeed. We actually did see the highest grossing movie this weekend. Oh boy, that hasn't happened in a while, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, it was The Boy and the Heron, and interestingly, this is apparently the first original anime production to top the domestic box office. Really? Yeah. I think only three, two other movies have done it beforehand, but I think they were adaptations of something else. Hmm. Although I guess technically this is an adaptation of a novel? Yeah, 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 it is based on... Oh, no, the, the title, refer the Japanese title references a novel, but mm. the film has an original story. Oh, okay. That's kind of weird. Mm. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So yeah, The Boy and the Heron took in about 12.9-ish million dollars domestically this weekend, and in total... It's currently sitting at $97.1 million worldwide. I can't find budget information, but apparently one of the producers said it's the most expensive film ever produced in Japan. <laughs> Alright, while I'm not very familiar with the Japanese movie industry, part of me finds that does find that a little hard to believe. Well, I mean, you look at the fact that Godzilla Minus One got made for $15 million, apparently, and we'll get we'll get into that in a second, but, um... <laughs> you know what, we'll get into it now. Apparently, part of the reason why Godzilla Minus One's budget is so low is that Japan is apparently notorious for going the Across the Spider-Verse route and horrifically mistreating their animators and VFX artists. So... Ah. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah, probably done by, you know, crunching the people actually crunching. working on the movie until there's nothing left. Right. Kind of like Japanese work culture on a whole, as I understand it. Hmm. And if I'm wrong, correct me, please, because I don't want yeah. to be running off of incorrect assumptions. That's just my right. understanding of it. Yeah, absolutely, same. Second place was uh, Hunger Games, Birds Eat Snakes or whatever. <laughs> Or is it snakes bite birds? Either way. Songbirds and uh, who That's cares? it. $9.2 million <laughs> domestically this weekend. $135.6 million domestic total. $266.5 million worldwide. Third place, Godzilla Minus One. $8.6 million domestic weekend. $25.5 million domestic total. $52.2 million worldwide. Nice. Yep. Uh, hopefully it was done with minimal exploitation of people, but I... At $15 million, I guess that would explain a lot. Yeah, yeah. And apparently the director even said he wishes it was that much. So it oh. might have been less. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Fourth place was Trolls Band Together, $6 million domestic weekend, $82.9 million domestic total, and $173.9 million worldwide. And then in fifth place, Renaissance, uh, the Beyonce concert tour film thing. Hmm. $5.5 million domestic weekend, $28.5 million domestic total, $36.1 million worldwide. Alrighty. Yeah. Mm. So The Boy and the Heron. The Boy and the Heron. We actually saw this one separately for the first time in a while. Yeah. As I say, did you see the Japanese dub or did you see the English dub? I saw the, du I saw the English dub. Okay, I saw the Japanese dub. Oh, neat. Yeah. This ought to be interesting then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, the premise of this movie is that this boy, Mahito, lives in Japan during World War II. Mm -hmm. 
His mom dies in a hospital fire. Right. And his, uh, what is it, three years later? Yeah, because I think most of the movie takes place in 19... Well, it's four years, right? Because I want to say most of the movie takes place in 1947. Huh. Okay. Either way... Uh, his dad's moved on and is uh is gotten married to his his ex wife's or his dead wife I guess is it ex if you're dead? <laughs> that, that's a good question actually. I uh, I'm going uh, you, um hmm, I'm somehow gonna say... <laughs> this feels less fucked up than the situation I'm about to describe. Yeah, I mean, his widow. I'd say no. No, he's. She's the widow. No, no, he's a widower. Yeah, that's a good she can, question. She'd be the widow if he died. <laughs> uh, I don't. The mean point to laugh is, at he the... marries her sister. Yeah, he he basically marries his son's aunt. Yeah, and gets her pregnant. Which this, I know her heart's <laughs> in the right place, but this aunt has got zero chill because she basically leads with like, "Hey, nice to see you. I haven't seen you since you were a baby. By the way, I'm pregnant." Yeah, it's... I'm sure you're missing your mom, but I thought you might want to know that. <laughs> yeah, her heart's in the right place. Yep. And and I'm gonna stop myself from making the joke that just popped up. <laughs> Look, you you don't watch you don't watch Studio Ghibli movies for airtight social situations and family dynamics. Yeah, no, you watch it for magic. <laughs> you watch it for magic, and you watch it for the impression more than anything else, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So, they move into this new place, and there's this heron that keeps bugging him. Turns out the heron can talk, and it's saying his mom is alive, and it leads him into a wizard tower or something, and all kinds of wackiness ensues. You know, saying it like that does just kind of really exemplify how fucking stupid every it all is, and how... Like, I hate to say it, because this movie is, we're going to get into it, this movie is genuinely pretty good. But it is a thing, when you say it like that, it does exemplify how objectively fucking stupid this movie is. No, it's not even <laughs> that. It's just like, okay, at this point, I've seen enough Studio Ghibli movies to where I know that you don't watch them for the plot. You don't really watch them, and this is going to sound more insulting than I mean it to be, if you expect any modicum of sense. Oh god, no. Things yeah. just happen in yeah. these. But and I don't mean that... for the ride. Yeah, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, you're there for the emotional experience that the film is trying to give to you. And the fact that they can do that without necessarily the plot making a lick of sense mm-hmm. is, I think, impressive. And I mean, to be fair, yeah. it's magic. They don't have to explain shit. Isn't that right, Joe Quesada? <laughs> <laughs> Bring back the spider marriage, assholes. Right. Like he's still there to enforce it, he's not. <laughs> so, one thing I will say, having seen the dub, mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson. Holy shit! <laughs> I didn't know it was him! I thought he was somebody else in the movie entirely. Oh, really? Yeah, I had to check the credits, and when I saw he was the heron, I was like, what, what, the, what, the, what, what, Huh? I'm going to guess, just based on my experience with the Japanese stuff, that he does kind of like a high-pitched, raspy voice. Yes! Okay, yeah. He's unrecognizable. <laughs> I'm imagining his Batman speaking in this voice, and it's insanity. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, like, I mean, so for me, 
I guess it's the thing of like I have I'm not really in one particular camp of the English dub versus Japanese dub with subtitles debate because honestly I think it's pretty ridiculous and stupid half the time. I'll watch what's available. I don't have any regards to one. Honestly, depending on what it is, people complain about bad English dub. Sometimes bad English dub can be extremely entertaining. Case looking point, at you, ghost stories. I was going to say, looking at you, ghost stories. <laughs> to be fair, and is that to, even a bad dub? Like, everybody does a good job with the material they choose to create. Yeah. <laughs> it's the second half of that sentence that's the key part. Yeah. I saw the Japanese dub primarily because it worked out better for my personal timing. So to that extent, especially not being a native Japanese speaker, I can't really comment on it too hard, but it was a thing of, like, I did enjoy how everyone acted in it. I thought the voice actors did a good job. In a very generalized sense, kind of going from the acting to, like, the, the way the characters are depicted, holy shit, I wish I had the level of confidence that Mahito has. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not the most expressive individual. No. But he is really good at being stalwart and dedicated to doing the thing he has decided he's going to do. Yeah, I kind of get the feeling, especially with him being a little kid in wartime, and it's very much worth emphasizing how impressionable, for lack of a better term, the military in Japan had on the people, especially on children. And he very clearly takes that and molds it into his personality. I imagine helped... Well, helped, again, it's probably not the correct word, but helped in large part to, again, his mom dying because of firebombing in Tokyo. And his dad Uh, working on military planes. Yeah. (laughs) There was a certain point in the movie where I'm just watching how he carries himself and how he just, like, goes forward with whatever decision he's making. I'm just like, this kid has the riz. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'd call it that. Mm. Well, it's... He, it's one of those things where I got the feeling watching him, and I'd say this is also definitely down to the, the the animation and the art as well, is that there's a certain point where I realize it's like, alright, whenever he's like there and is getting ready to start something, he just kind of commands the presence of whatever's going on, which is what you, you should want because he's literally the main character of the movie. So... Yeah. So yeah, he was he was cool to see, just in a general sense, to the surprise of absolutely no one. The art for this movie is absolutely amazing. The man still has it. It's also part of the reason why I do not believe for a second that this is actually going to be Miyazaki's last film. No, nah, I'm pretty sure that already got debunked. Yeah, oh, did it? <laughs> I think we covered that earlier. Like, somebody else at Ghibli said he's already worked, He's already got another idea. Yeah, it's like, how many times has he retired air quotes at this point? I don't know. <laughs> mm. I will say, this isn't my favorite Ghibli movie, and I can say that right off the bat. I don't know oh, what yeah, my favorite no. Ghibli movie is, but I will say I like, and th- I haven't seen every Ghibli movie, but I feel like it's weird because out of the ones that I've seen, the ones that it seems like are most people's favorites, like your uh, your Spirited Aways, your My Neighbor Totoro's, your mm-hmm. Howl's Moving Castles, those aren't necessarily my favorite. My favorites are more The Wind Rises, Porco Rosso. I guess Kiki's Delivery Service is pretty, uh... Yeah, I. you know what? I need to re-watch Kiki's Delivery Service. I remember, like, like just falling in love with it instantly when I first watched it years and years and years ago. I definitely need to re-watch it. I got it on Blu-ray, so... Oh, hell yeah. And hell, 
Cat Returns. How did I forget about Cat Returns? That one might be my favorite. Oh, yeah, that... <laughs> that well, that one's one of my favorites just because of how freaking ridiculous it is. Just for Peter Boyle as Muda just eating the entire buffet. No match for my stomach. He's just pissed <laughs> off about it for some reason. Right. I, I would say for me, my favorite was is probably going to be um, The Wind Rises, but mm. that's also... I feel like kind of obvious considering me being a history nerd. Yeah. And, and I mean, even from that genuinely, like as far as historical dramas go, genuinely because of the medium that's using and how everything is put together, honest to goodness, a very interesting movie to watch. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Yeah. And not just because it had Werner Herzog. So I got to, I got to do the like, use the fucking <laughs> puppet, you cowards joke. <laughs> I forgot because I feel like we rewatched that we watched that movie too for a movie night, and you made that joke during a, a actually pretty tender scene because he plays like if I remember right, he's he plays like a um, he's the German guy. He's the German who escaped from Germany, being hunted by the Japanese secret police. And I forget the moment, but I remember it being kind of like a nice moment. I think of, of him watching the um, the main character with his wife, and then you just pull that joke. It's just like, Cody, what the fuck? <laughs> Look, Werner Herzog is forever my hero for convincing them to make Grogu an actual puppet in The Mandalorian, okay? Oh, fair. <laughs> my point is, getting back all the way to it, The Boy and the Heron is definitely not my favorite Ghibli movie, and I can stand it off the face of it, but it is still good, and I like it yeah. a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same. Both agree to both of those. I feel like I don't know. Maybe the point comes across a little different in the sub version, but from mm -hmm. the dub, at least, I kind of feel like I took away a message, at least, because another thing about a lot of the Ghibli movies is I feel like you can take away multiple messages. Yeah, and the one I took the most from this is the importance of being connected to other people, because. We can't fix the world on our own because it will reflect. If we try it, we'll just reflect our own imperfections. I can agree to that. I would definitely say that that was definitely one of the overarching messages in the movie, even within the Japanese dub itself. I think for me, the the portion of you can't do everything yourself was kind of the stronger part, and part of it kind of goes into spoiler territory. But during the second half of the movie. If that becomes more clear and clear as things go awry. <laughs> and you know what? I don't think I've talked enough about the animation for this movie. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. The design is on point. The design manages to make creatures that have no business being scary terrifying. <laughs> I'm assuming, like, are, are we talking about the freaking parakeets? <laughs> we are talking about the parakeets and some other things. But yeah, <laughs> and not even they don't even do it by like making the design traditionally scary. They don't like add fangs or extra eyes or anything like that or make them even bigger and more monstrous looking. Just the character of the design, if that makes sense. Yeah, the, they're truly kind of horrific. And yet they're presented as these like goofy looking, cuddly looking things, which just makes it scarier that <laughs> nothing changes about them. I will say it's one of those things where because of how some of these creatures are depicted, it does the whole... There's a part of my brain that just can't help but go, it's like, so I wonder if this is what these animals in our world think. It's like, is are these, these their secret thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> are they just like, man, if I was bigger and all this, I would fuck this shit up. <laughs> also, this is a very bloody movie. Oh, yeah. 
it's not yeah. super pronounced. Like there's not it's not violence galore, but there are some moments in it where it's just like, oh gosh, this is more violence than I was expecting. Yeah. No, yeah. Anytime like blood is used and all that, it's got it. It's turned up to a. It's like it's feels like it's very few moments in the movie overall. But when it does happen, there's no like gratuitousness per se. But the moments of like injury and all that are definitely turned up to eleven. It has to be said. Mm. I feel like that's most of what I had that wasn't a spoiler. Yeah, I can't think. I can't think of anything else I have that's not that goes that does not go into spoiler territory. So I'm gonna say this is definitely worth a watch. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, most Ghibli movies I would say are worth a watch, and this is no exception. Yeah, because again, you're there for the impression. You're there for yeah. that feeling of magic and whimsy tampered down a little bit by a probably depressing life lesson that you need to learn nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. You're brought in by the impressionism. Today we're going to talk about postmodernism. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I just went Tim Taylor. <laughs> Anyways, if you don't want to get spoiled on The Boy and the Heron, make sure to click away in 3, 2, 1. So, talking particularly about the design of the animals and all that, the parakeets are literally cannibals. That's not cannibals, they don't eat each other. Oh, okay, well they eat humans. Yeah, that's not cannibalism. It's, you know what, that's correct. Is it cannibalism if I eat a chimp? No. <laughs> Okay, you know what, think about it, that is correct, but it's one of those weird things that is very much correct, but it also doesn't necessarily make it better. Nah. Because it's very creepy. Because <laughs> you don't expect it from fucking parakeets. Yeah, which I honestly, I'm pretty sure they chose parakeets for that very reason. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and that's the thing that again makes you go, it's like, shit, what if parakeets actually think about eating people? Dave Bautista is very understated in this. Man, that's the main thing about the casting that I was pretty pissed off about. It's like, man, I've... Not pissed off in a bad way, but more so a thing of like, ah, oh, fuck, I kind of want to watch the English dub just to see Dave Bautista be the parakeet king. <laughs> yeah, how was he How was he in the sub? Because in the dub, he's very, he, he has a commanding presence, but he's never really shouting. He's the same way. Okay, cool. I wouldn't call the portrayal soft-spoken, but it is one of those things where it's like, he he's not loud, but he is, but his voice is commanding, if that makes sense. Yeah. Live well in my absence! Th that kind of thing, exactly. Yeah, no, the Parakeet King was an interesting individual. And it's one of those things where, with him in particular, I can kind of understand where he's coming from. Yeah. As especially in the bit at the end where he's like, wait, you're gonna leave our existence to this little boy that you barely even know? And it's like, you know what? That's a completely fair question to ask. <laughs> that is a very reasonable question to ask, in all honesty. Mahito's dad has, like, zero chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. Kid gets um, hurt. Who did it? I'll sue him. Yeah, and and then just, like, when he's looking for Mahito and his wife, he's just, like, gets a sword and all that. And it's like, Slashing man, this dude... parakeets. Yeah. <laughs> I went to see this movie with our, our mutual friend Jerry, and one thing he mentioned to me during the movie, it's like, is it me, or does this movie has a thing for, like, bird shit? No, same! <laughs> there was a lot of bird shit in this movie where it wasn't needed. Yeah, it's like, I understand it, because it's like, it's all birds, but it's still like, alright, there's certain scenes that are like, this would be very sweet if it wasn't for all the bird shit. <laughs> when the heron leaves Mahito's windowsill, and the windowsill looks like it's covered in bird poo, I didn't realize that was foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> 
it was one of those things where it's just like, oh, that's a interesting artistic choice. And when he's like kind of crawling over, it's like, no, no, don't touch it. Oh, <laughs> what a time. Yes, indeed. Let's see. The Pelicans also creep me out. Oh, the Pelican was the Pelicans were super, super fucked. <laughs> and that one who got the shit beaten out of him and who ends up dying uh, in the yeah. dub, that's Willem Dafoe. Really? Yeah. I feel like that's an underutilization of William Dafoe. He did. He did a good job, though. Uh, fair. Yeah. So, I kind of honestly, the Pelicans were the creatures I was the most interested in as far as understanding their backstory. Because it's one of those things where it's like, all right, why are you here? Where do you come from? It's like, especially when he starts talking about how his people were forced to be here. They have tried for ages to, like, escape, only to be brought back down. It's like, I need a lot more of your backstory. No, see, I think that circles back to the point about creating a world by yourself means it's just gonna... It's not gonna work out, because presumably that means that Mahito's granduncle brought them into the world because he thought, like, it was incomplete without them or something. But Mm. they're not compatible with it. Right. So they can't eat anything out of the sea, so they're forced to just eat whatever else they can. Which in this place is the, uh, what do they call it? Wada Wada? Wada Wada, yeah. They're so cute. Oh, they're so adorable. That gave me the giggles. Yeah. <laughs> I was just Mi- sitting there yeah. like, Aww. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, alright, if this was a Disney movie, they would absolutely be there to sell toys. <laughs> and then the pelicans start eating them and you're just like, oh god. And then they catch on fire. And then they catch on fire, <laughs> thanks, Amy. <laughs> yeah! Who's voiced in the in the dub by Karen Fukuhara? Oh, oh, really? Yeah, you may recognize her from. This is Katana. She's got my back. <laughs> I would advise not getting killed by her. Her sword traps the souls of its victims. Fame. <laughs> right. Oh, but no, boy. she's good. All right. She's good. I mean, to be honest, there's that, but I think I remember her more so from being the concessions girl in Bullet Train. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's not much to remember somebody for, but then neither is Katana. Yeah, no. (laughs) Man, that's just, that is unfortunate for this woman, because she's clearly has... She's got chops. Yeah, she's got the chops, 100%. Okay, so there's one bit near the end. I'm jumping around a bit because, like, this is a Ghibli movie, so, you know, there's only so much. If you go into the plot and you go into a brick-by-brick summary, you're going to be there all fucking day trying to make sense of it. Yeah. When Mahito goes into the delivery room and tries to get Natsuko to come back with him and she screams, go away, I hate you. Mm-hmm. What was that about? That, yeah, that part was weird. What I was originally thinking is that it was something of how, if it was like a true emotion type of thing, where it might be like a little bit of resentment on Natsuko's part, because she's been trying to get closer to Mahito only for him to, like, well, not rebuff her, per se, but just not it's have any It's clearly not reaction. sticking. Yeah. Like, it's no, not I sticking. I can see that, I guess. So, that was my only thought. I think the thing that kind of got me from that was how, in that moment, Mahito immediately starts calling her his mom. And it's like, wait, where did that come from? That felt a little... I mean, it didn't feel out of nowhere, because very early on, she she says, I'm your mom now. And it's he, the, he goes the whole movie without calling her that up until that point, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily feel like the epiphany was had. Yeah, it it feels like it's just kind of one of those things where it just happens, 
and and yeah, like it it kind of felt like it, for me at least it felt like it came a little out of nowhere. Insert the pitch meetings thing of why would he call her mom now? Because we need him to have his big emotional catharsis. Oh, okay then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what what else is there? Oh shoot, Florence uh, Pugh was Kir- was she also was she Kiriko as the old lady too? I'm going to assume so. Huh. Good job for her then. Yeah, and same thing to again the Japanese actress as well. Koshibasaki. Yeah. Yeah. Kiriko was very enjoyable just the whole time. I think in the bit where she's like, "I don't want to be here," and I because I can't like help you and don't want to be responsible for this. It's like I feel like I identify with that. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, one of the few lines I actually wrote down just for the perfect delivery: "Push it in hmm. deeper." <laughs> That's literally what she said. During what? Which bit? The carving up the that weird fish. Oh, I don't remember what the subtitle said there. Ah, no. Uh, when he when he's sticking the knife in the fish, she says, "Push it in deeper." I. <laughs> I I didn't think about it like this in context because of everything that was going on, but I want to say that. Um, when that was happening, I think the subtitle said something on the lines of, you need to push down harder. Uh. Which. Phrasing. I, I, yeah, as to say, it's not bad. Yours is definitely worse. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I just wanted to make a note of that because that one really struck my funny bone. Yeah, fair. That's actually, I think, the only line I've written down. <laughs> oh, I did have one thing from right at the start of the movie. Uh, those nightmare sequences that he has. Oh, yeah. Of the fire that took his mom's life. Those hurt. Oh, yeah, they do. Not just in an emotional sense. Like, when he starts sobbing, especially because that's some of the most intense emotion you see from him. Mm Mm-hmm. When those sequences are going, they do such a good job at making things out of focus and hard to see through that it almost feels like you're actually looking through an actual fire. Yeah. And and also with that just really signifying how in this dream it's like a very much a reminder is like yes we are dealing with a literal small child because their perspective of everything really just amplifies how he feels like he's just such a small part of everything that's going on while running honestly hopelessly in an effort to to save his mom yeah so yeah there's there's a very much an emotional impact with those ones Okay, there was one thing that I think was rushed a little bit more than the calling Natsuko mom thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you got this in the sub, but there was a point near the middle of the movie, or maybe it wasn't. Like, this movie takes a pretty long time to wind up to actually go into the magical world, and then it feels like that part progresses relatively quickly. But yeah. I think after Mahito helps plug a hole in the heron's beak, the heron says something like, you and I aren't friends, you know, or allies. And then mm-hmm. by the end of the movie... He says something along the lines of goodbye, my friend, but there's never really feels like a point where the two of them actually, like, bonded like that. Yeah, I I felt that too. I felt like it was one of those things where it just kind of happened. It didn't feel like there was any, like, major epiphany moment, but it was more so one of those, like, as they spend time together, because they're kind of forced to be together. As they spend time together, it's kind of one of those, I was like, alright, this kid's not half bad. It's like, that's fair. And you are an asshole, but <laughs> but it doesn't feel like there's there is a moment where it's like 
like the whole thing of him calling him friend i did agree was just like all right like cool i'm glad you all are separating on good terms but when did he become your friend exactly <laughs> and again ironclad social dynamics aren't what you go to a ghibli movie for so yeah it's not a big deal it was just an observation that i had yeah same all the different worlds are interesting, and I'm kind of a little sad we didn't get to see more of them. Yeah, no, especially when the whole, like, thing with, like, different doors and they all signify different worlds. It's like, no, I want more of that, please. <laughs> and some are apparently the same world, but different points in time. Yeah, which I want to say was, like, um, what's communicated at the end when Mahito goes back to his world and Himi goes to the world that she's supposed to be in. Which is, obviously, his world at a different time because she's his mom. Yeah, and much, much younger. True, because she also went missing in the tower when she was a kid. So this is from that time. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that mean that? No, I'm not going to dive into that, because, again, you don't go to these Ghibli movies to make sense of what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And then apparently the, the Kiriko who... Mahito spends time within that world is from that time because she goes with Himi through the door and hands him the little charm that turns into old lady Kiriko. Oh, okay. At least I think that's what happened. Hmm. And then, you know, everything's fixed, the family unit is functional, and then a couple years later they're leaving that estate and going back to Tokyo. Yes. And that's it. Hopefully. And that's it. it. Yeah, that's that's the thing we talked about, too. It's like, I know it's not exactly uncommon for these movies, but can never really get used to how a few of these movies feel like they just have an extremely abrupt ending. Which I guess is... Yeah, fair. Yeah, it's like, it, it's fine because at that point, it's like, yeah, no, there's, there's no other bases that need to be covered. They don't... Like, the thing about Ghibli movies is, I don't want to say they make the the magical feel mundane, they make the magical feel natural. Hmm. I think. So, the so yeah, this particular thing is over, but life goes on, because this was just part of life. It was a particularly weird, acid-trippy, fucked-up part, but... <laughs> yeah, with, like, murderous, mer murder-happy parakeets and shit. Murder-happy, hungry parakeets. Hungry, hungry parakeets. <laughs> peckish, peckish parakeets. Peckish, peck okay, that is better. Don't that eat is your fucking better. flesh. <laughs> you got anything else? No, I don't think so. Alright, well, again, this is definitely a worthwhile movie to see in theaters. Oh, yeah. Recommend checking it out. Especially because, I think next week, based on showtimes that I'm getting, it looks like the only option we've got is Wonka. <laughs> oh, I know you're looking forward to that one. Yeah, my nemesis for the back half of the year. <laughs> okay, actually, that's not true. I'm like Spider-Man. I've got multiple nemeses. One of them is Wonka. One of them is Aquaman, just for the fucking trailer. No, that's fair. That is completely fair. Bro, there are so many movies coming out, like, Christmas weekend and then Christmas Day. It's disgusting. Yeah, I... Yeah, that's going to be a difficult weekend to record, because I'm sorry, I'm not going to the movie theater on Christmas. <laughs> no, I don't blame you at all. Mm. What I think most likely is, it'll probably just be a thing of, tackle a movie for Christmas weekend, maybe right. two if I can swing it, and then whatever comes out Christmas Day, we'll figure out what we're seeing and count it as part of the next weekend. That's fair. Is where I'm going with it. Doesn't matter. Point is, thanks so much for listening, everybody. 
Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share the video around. Follow us on Facebook, Spotify, Twitter, whatever you want to do. You don't have to do any of it, but it helps if you do. But it, but that good shit does help. Yeah. This has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we will catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye!